Welcome back to the Hypnotoad Podcast on the Heartland College Sports Podcast Network. And we are coming after one of, if not the, no, the biggest win of the season for the TC Horn Frogs. It was insane. It was a game that you wanted to see them play from week one. But you know what? We'll take it in week seven. A 44-11 win against BYU. What does that mean for the rest of the season? What does it mean for Josh Hoover? What does it mean against Kansas State? This weekend, we'll talk about all of that. But first, got to remind you to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast wherever you get the Hypnotoad podcast, whether that be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your audio, hit subscribe, give us a review. We love to see those reviews. And you know what? It helps build the brand. We're doing a good job. We're about a year in now. Can you believe it? A year in of podcasts, and the brand just keeps growing stronger and stronger. Also, you can win a free Heartland College Sports koozie by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. Screenshot it. Send it to Pete Mundo, Pete, M-U-N-D-O, at HeartlandCollegeSports.com. The big boss will send you a uh, koozie. Yeah. Keep your drinks cool. Or, yeah, maybe you're one of those warm cider people as it gets cooler uh, in the fall. Maybe you're a college football cider fan. Yeah. Keep it warm as well. I learned koozies. They do everything, right? All right. So let's talk about it. Kick-ass game against BYU this weekend in Fort Worth. And I would have, I told you last week, Kenny Slovis, I thought it was going to be his show. I did not know what to expect from Hoover after the loss uh, against Iowa State. You look at the schedule now, and outside that Colorado loss, a loss to West Virginia and Iowa State, this TCU team should already be bowl eligible. This TCU team should already be bowl eligible if they played to the level that they played it on Saturday. But you can't really go back in the time machine. You can't get in the way back machine and change those results. You only can go forward, and that's what Sonny Dykes and the team did this week. This was the best game from all aspects of the game, connecting the offense and the defense and the special teams. It's the first game all season. I think all three fired at the cylinder level that we expected from week one. I expected the team that played on Saturday to show up every single week. The hardest thing to do in college athletics isn't recruiting. It's not winning. It's consistency. If you're a good team to consistently show up and win games that you're supposed to win, that is the hardest part. That is the hardest part. It's not professional sports. You know that. I know that. The hardest part is consistency. That's why Nick Saban at Alabama That's why Kirby Smart in Georgia, and that's why I think Sonny Dykes at TCU are all in that secondary tier, right, or that that top tier to get your team to consistently play well. Pieces move in and out. Players move in and out. Coaches move in and out. It's the head coach's job to get the consistency going. And TCU for the first six weeks wasn't consistent. Inconsistent play is what caused them to lose games against West Virginia and Iowa State. To consistently play at this level means this TCU team could be or should be back in the conversation to compete in the Big 12. The odds of them winning the Big 12 at this point, I think, are like 1% from the uh, the FIP that I saw, the football power index that I saw. The odds of them winning the Big 12 are at 1% or less, or less than in some models. So to win the conference is out of the question. That's not happening this year. That's what happens when you lose. Games to Iowa State and uh, WVU. You, you lose that chance. But a win against BYU puts them squarely back in the conversation to play in a better bowl game, right? 
So I want to talk three aspects of the game. First part, Josh Hoover. This kid can ball. This kid can play. His first start at TCU, he looked great. 439 yards, two touchdowns. He did throw two interceptions. He did make rookie mistakes under center. He threw a bad interception on a drive in the first half that I was kind of like pulling my hair out a little bit saying, what are we doing here? I was concerned that halftime score did not really feel indicative of how the game was going. Felt like TCU should have been up by at least another score at halftime. All that being said, this kid balled out. This kid played really well. Now, do I think that he played to Max Duggan levels? No. Do I think he outplayed Chandler Morris? I think that might be fair to say. This BYU team, they're not a great Big 12 team. In fact, I wouldn't argue that they're a great college football team this year. I think they got a lot of holes. Offensively, they looked stagnant. Defensively, they decided to play off of uh, the wide receivers. They gave everybody a lot of cushions to, to move the ball around. This win for Hoover, I don't know if it's indicative to say, okay, this kid now has the keys to the car. I still think we're renting. I don't think we're buying on Hoover. I like the kid. I think he's got a really bright future. But if you said to me today, gun to the head, healthy Chandler Morris or Josh Hoover, it's not a cut and dry salute or not a cut and dry answer, I would say. But he looked great. He looked really good against BYU. And the uh, the quotes after the game, this one really stood out to me. Because the saying I have in my life, this is my personal motto. This is what I what I say all the time. Stay ready so you don't have to get ready. Stay ready so you don't have to get ready. Which means if you're always prepared for what comes next, you're not having to hustle and bustle to try to catch up with whatever the situation presents itself. And Hoover, he stayed ready. As a backup quarterback, you have to stay ready because you're one snap away from potentially getting some playing time, and that's why he looked good. He said uh, he's worked his whole life. I've worked my whole life for this opportunity. The good Lord has blessed me to be here, and honestly, I shouldn't be here. I committed to Indiana. I didn't have offers like this. Coach Dykes took a chance on me, and I can't express how grateful I am for that opportunity. So graceful, humble, in the face of success. It's easy to be humble. It's easy to be humble when things aren't going your way. It's easy to tuck the tail between the legs and say mea culpa when you throw two interceptions. It's easy to say, hey, my bad when the team loses. But to say, hey, I'm grateful for the opportunity. I'm grateful to the coaching staff. I'm grateful for my teammates. When you're winning games as a quarterback, you win the locker room. You win the locker room. It shows leadership from a young quarterback. I love to see it. I'm not willing to buy. I'm renting but it might be renting to buy. We'll say it that way. Other part, J.P. Richardson, he finally looked like the wide receiver we expected from Oklahoma State. He finally looked comfortable in the offense. He was running really good routes. Now, I don't know if that's partly because BYU's defense decided to play cushion defense for whatever reason. They said, you know what? We're not going to let you run the ball. We're going to try to bottle up Imani Bailey. We know it's a young quarterback. We're going to give him, we're going to make him beat us. And he did. Credit to Hoover, credit to Kendall Bryles, the offensive coordinator, for calling those plays and saying, you know what, we trust our guy. We trust our quarterback to go out there and make throws. But J.P. Richardson was running around the field, looked athletic, looked healthy, looked like a playmaker. He looked like a guy who we were kind of expecting this entire season that we just never really got. We never really saw. We saw the potential in the spring game. We saw the potential in practices. 
We saw the potential in cracks and in glimmers throughout the season, but he put it down. He put together one of the best games he has in his career. Uh, six catches for 104 yards. It's his first 100-yard game in his career. Savion Williams, seven catches for 68 yards. He also scored a touchdown as well. Both these guys, they look good. The wide receivers look healthy. In week seven, not a lot of teams can say that. So point one, Hoover looks like the man. Point two, wide receivers look good. Point number three, and this is the biggest one. BYU did not have an answer for the defense. The defense had a pick six on the first drive. The BYU was out there. Slovis put it right in between the numbers uh, on a defensive back. BYU had the worst rushing offense that they had all season. Uh, they were held to a season low, 243 yards. Slovis was 15 of 34, 152 yards, interception, and a lost fumble. Gillespie, Joe Gillespie, the head coach of the defense, defensive guy, masterclass performance. Masterclass performance. He put together one of the best performances he has this season. The defense looked the best that they have all season. The last time the defense looked this good was against Michigan in the Fiesta Bowl, which is saying something because when you consider how many NFL talent – how much NFL talent left the defense from last year's bowl win to this year? It's night and day. Okay, there's a lot of there's a lot of good defensive players that are still there. You know, Josh Newton. I still think he's NFL caliber corner, but a lot of those dudes from the defense last year are playing on Sundays this year. So let's be honest. You know, the defense looking as good as it has in Week Seven. I, I'm I'm liking it. Um, if you exclude the Colorado game, I saw the stat. If you exclude the Colorado game. This TCU defense is allowing about a t- two touchdowns a game. Which, if your defense is allowing two touchdowns a game and you have an offensive mind like Sonny Dykes, you should be winning games. You should be probably better than <laughs> you should probably be better than four and three. If you're allowing under two touchdowns, it's fourteen point six points per game. If you're allowing thirteen points per game, you should be better than four and three. So, I think to myself. The two losses last last two weeks, you you snap that streak, you get the cart back on the road, you get the horse back on the road, you point it towards Winsville, success city, and, and you hope that the things keep moving. You keep moving in the direction. And again, consistency from this team is is the biggest hurdle that they have to cross. Which, speaking of, they play their biggest opponent this weekend. This is this is a game. That at the beginning of the year, I circled. I was hoping this would be the game for the conference. I was hoping this would be the game for a chance to play in the playoffs. The way Kansas State's played, the way TCU's played, I think both teams have regressed. I think Oklahoma and Texas are clearly the top two teams in this conference right now, which is disappointing as those two teams are leaving. I know a lot of fans are excited for them to leave. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm kind of disappointed that they weren't going to go out whimpering. They're going out with a bang, <laughs> but that's neither here nor there. Kansas State, a rematch of last year's Big 12 championship game. It was the first loss TCU had on the season. They only lost two games last year. One to Kansas State on what should have been a win uh, on a run by Duggan. They should have got him in, and then, of course, in that blowout in the national championship. The records for Kansas State. They're 4 and 2, TCU's 4 and 3. Don't let the records confusing. They're both 3 and 2 in their last 5 games. TCU lost the previous 2 weeks. Kansas State, they have a win in between their two losses. But this past weekend, they uh, played Texas Tech and they trailed in the third quarter before scoring 21 unanswered points between the third and fourth quarter. 
And all of those touchdowns came on freshman quarterback Avery Johnson. Now, that's not a name that you know if you're a TCU fan. Who is Avery Johnson? Well, he's a freshman quarterback who has taken the job from starter Will Howard. Will Howard is a name you recognize from last year's team. Howard looked bad against Kansas or Oklahoma State. The Kansas State quarterback against Oklahoma State, he threw three interceptions in the loss two weeks ago. And everybody in the coaching staff, and I had been hearing rumors, I've been hearing murmurs about this on Twitter, that they were going to pull the plug on the Howard experiment and start the younger Avery Johnson. He looked great. Now, granted, he only completely completed like six passes. I think it was six for nine for like 74 yards. But Kansas State, they don't need to throw the ball around. This team is predicated on the run. It's old school and, dare I say, triple option-esque with a running quarterback. Kansas State's defense, not entirely the best. We'll get to that in a minute. But this now you have a freshman quarterback in Avery Johnson who looked really good, had a couple of big runs. Uh, he scored five touchdowns for you on, on Saturday. To have the trust in a young quarterback to say, okay, you know, run the offense for us, but also we trust you to hold on to the ball. A lot of people forget that part of the game, that when you give a young guy the reins to one of these offenses, not only are you making sure, hey, where's the DN? Hey, where's the linebackers? Hey, high safety. Like, knowing the defensive scheme as a quarterback and putting audibles in the system, but you also trust him not to turn the ball over. And I get running the ball maybe a little bit easier not turn over than throwing it, but I think one of the most – impressive stats from this Kansas State team is I think they've only lost like two fumbles on the season for the amount that they rushed the ball. All right, the Kansas State defense this past weekend, they bottled up uh, Taj Brooks, who is the best running back in the conference numbers-wise this year. They held him to 98 yards. Um, Kansas State, they're going to run and run the ball against TCU. That is going to be the game plan. Run, 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 and then run again. Uh, They have Tashawn Ward and DJ Gillins who are two of the best running backs. And then you add in Avery Johnson, who just had the five uh, touchdown runs. The 3-3-5 will be tested like it's never been tested before, right? The 3-3-5 against Georgia last year, it's kind of (laughs) rough. If you remember those Georgia running backs that were coming up against TCU in the national championship, granted, offensive line helps a lot in those uh, equations. You think about the two weeks that Georgia had to game plan for TCU last year. But the 3-3-5 last year against Georgia, it got demolished. It got torn apart. Duggan had a couple turnovers, a couple short field situations. But still, I was not very impressed by uh, the game plan. This week, you run the 3-3-5 against a uh, team that runs the ball as much as Kansas State. And again, I'm thinking to myself, this is a recipe for disaster. Now, TCU's defense, they allow 121 yards on the ground and 128 yards in the air. So you would think that they'd be better at the pass defense than the run, or the, the run defense. Not the case. Flip it. They're better on the run than they are the pass. Okay, well, that makes me feel a little bit better, right? TCU is the top in the conference in sack. They have 19 sacks so far through six weeks. Okay, I feel pretty good about that, too. Oh, we can get after the quarterback. Great. But at the same time, the... Facts are that they haven't faced a running team like Kansas State yet. Flip the ball. Kansas State's defense, they're a little bit worse in the air than TCU, and they allow only 108 yards per game on the ground, which is second in the conference, only to Cincinnati, who allows 101 yards uh, per game on the ground. So the Kansas State defense, 
better on the run than they are in the pass. Good for TCU, a team that, yeah, Monty Bailey might be the best offensive player through the first couple weeks here, but they can throw the ball around. And I trust Josh Hoover not to make dumb decisions with the ball. Now, the BYU defense, markedly worse <laughs> than the Kansas State secondary. Watching film, watching the games on Saturdays, I can tell you that the Kansas State secondary moves around on the field a lot better. I think they have a better game plan overall than BYU's defense against a freshman quarterback, which was, again, let him throw, back up, give him room, give him space, let the make him beat us with his arm, which he did. I don't think Kansas State's going to have that game plan. I think they're going to come in, press receivers, make guys feel comfortable off the line, force guys to run shallower routes than they want to, try to jump routes. That is the kind of the game plan I see for Kansas State in this game against TCU's pass offense. Um, It's going to be a war between two unproven quarterbacks. That's the bottom line here. To summarize, the TCU game plan this weekend will be bottle up the run, try to bring maybe some secondary help towards the line. They've done a good job this season. Um, rushing off the sides, I've thought. I, I, watching them play, do the, they do a good job collapsing the pocket in a lot of ways. Trying to make Avery beat you with his arm, make Avery Johnson, the freshman quarterback for Kansas State, beat you with his arm versus his legs. He's proven that he can run the ball. He has not yet proven that he can throw a consistent pass. If the game comes down to TCU balling up the run and making a freshman beat them with his arm, I'm not saying it's impossible to do. I'm just saying it's a lot harder for him to do that than I think it would be for him to run the ball. It's going to come down to who makes the fewer mistakes. With that being said, if Kansas State runs the ball well and Johnson doesn't have to throw it around the field, I feel confident in saying that Kansas State will win the game. If it comes down to a war of attrition and it's Kansas State gets to run their game plan and it comes down to can Josh Hoover not turn the ball over, I don't feel comfortable yet saying that he's going to play a perfect game. Chandler Morris, in the same situation, I wouldn't feel comfortable saying he's going to play a perfect game either. And by perfect, I mean just don't turn the ball over. <laughs> Have a zero in the interception column. I don't feel comfortable saying that Hoover's going to be able to do that or that Chandler Morris would be able to do that. I think we have two quarterbacks, one being younger, who I give a little bit more grace to when it comes to making mistakes, and a quarterback who's older who thinks that he can put a football through the eye of a needle. Okay? There's just I, I admire the confidence, but he can't do it. Nobody can. Well, maybe Tom Brady could, but he's not Tom Brady, right? Like, let's be honest here. If it comes down to a game where Kansas State gets to run their game plan, run their offense the way they want to, which is just pound and pound and pound the rock, and Josh Hoover on the other side of the field has to not turn the ball over, can't throw an interception, has to play in a, in a tough, it's going to be a tough environment in Manhattan, Kansas. All of that weighs in on this. I would say Kansas State is would win the game in that situation. Now, I I think this TCU team, if they play as well as they did this past Saturday against BYU, against Kansas State, there's a, there's a chance that they win the game. But I saw the football power index, which is not the most scientific method to go off of. It's not the best method to go off of. They had TCU losing this game, I think, by like six or seven points. I think that might be fair. 
four and four going in the rest of your schedule. I do think this game, this team makes bolt eligibility. A win against Kansas State would make life a lot easier, a lot simpler. But this is going to be the toughest matchup on the schedule because, like I said, this needs to be a rivalry game. This should be a rivalry game every single year. This is a new Big 12 rivalry. Baylor stinks. The new teams that have come in have not been very good. Texas Tech is on their third quarterback this year. Like, this is the game that for the next five, ten years, as long as Sonny Dykes is in TCU and as long as uh, Chris Kleiman is in Kansas, at Kansas State, this needs to be the game that is on the schedule that everybody circles and says this is the game of the Big 12. TC wins this game. That will play a much I think that will make life a lot easier. I think that you can sell it like that. But if they lose this game after losing the Big 12 championship last year, life gets a little bit more difficult to sell that this is a rivalry. All right. That is going to do it for the Hypnotoad podcast this week. I want to thank you guys for listening and tuning in uh, after a win. Let's talk about it after another win next week. Remember, subscribe, rate, review the podcast wherever you get the Hypnotoad podcast, whether that be on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, wherever. And you can win a free Heartland College sports koozie by leaving a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Email the screenshot to Pete Mundo, Pete, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com. We'll be back next week with more TCU Athletics right here on the Hypnotoad podcast. We'll see you guys next week.